to be Saturday? What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon, Stamper Falcon Screen, and we are joined by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Greetings, folks. And freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hello, hello. Welcome to the new world. It is indeed the new world. We're not talking about the Terrence Malick film again, just getting the references right out of the way, because we didn't cover this last week because we did pre-record, but the big news of the weekend, of course, the Wallabies won. The Wallabies (laughs) won. It's amazing. They beat New Zealand. Very ugly game. If you read cards, no. We are talking, of course, about Johnny Depp going off the Fantastic Beasts franchise. We actually are talking about that later in the episode. We're talking about Donald Trump. Wow, it happened. He hasn't conceded. Notably, but Georgia, Pennsylvania has been called. But have you considered that maybe Trump is actually still the president if we throw out all the illegal votes? He definitely is. Well, yeah, all the exactly. millions all and the, millions. Yeah, yeah, all the All the fraudulent activity. From, from all those blue states. Yeah. California. If, if the election was so extremely uh, thrown by <laughs> Freud, why were the Democrats completely unable to make any leads in the houses no i, I love the line from I, i'm still in the from stephen colbert that if joe biden and the democrats are able to coordinate something on that scale across so many states this is the sort of person you would want leading the country in the midst of a global pandemic <laughs> i mean i'm just uh, sad that we're missing the opportunity to say to trump you're fired no everyone's everyone's done that the internet was ready with their you're yeah. fired gifs the reason we're talking about donald trump is that before coming president he sadly was a movie star he's been in a few films that we otherwise love surprise surprise city film critics just don't like donald trump home alone to zoolander others i don't like like money never sleeps uh two weeks these Notice. are actually i think great movies i don't know what not, you're talking money about. never sleeps is not a good movie man i never saw that it's bad it's very it's very bad. That's Don't, a fight we should have. Really? I think it's a good movie. Really? Okay. I'm gl- I'm gl- oh, the entire final, entire final act was necessary. Anyway, we're going to be talking about Donald Trump movies a little bit later in the program. Hold on. Donald Trump is in that movie? He has a scene with Gordon yes. Gecko in a barber, and he actually has to act, and he's not a good actor. Oh. So it's really quite lousy. I wonder how Oliver Stone feels about that now. Probably very bad, as do, I'm guessing, all the people who had him on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, The Nanny. How does Ben Stiller feel about this now? He can't, Jay, they can't be happy with him I think, being a Zoolander. Yeah, I think all the people who propped him up have some reservations, to put it mildly. Yeah, we're talking about you, Jimmy Fallon. So, no, I was fine. I know what you're talking about. The Jimmy Fallon interview was fine. Also, later in the program, we were talking about the British Film Festival, which opens this week, Summerland and Ammonite, which for our... I, myself, and Virat have respectively seen, but I'll also be touching on On the Rocks, which is on Apple TV now, a film we reviewed earlier uh, last month. We're about some news of the week, and yeah, all things Donald Trump. Before we get into that, we want to talk about things that are happening about town. Movement Bed is continuing until this weekend, um, as is Sydney Open Air Cinemas. The British Film Festival starts today, is the... Well, it started yesterday, actually, so sorry, we are pre-recording this, excuse me, and that's playing at Palace Cinemas. The Russian Resurrection Film Festival is happening from this weekend. Kino Sydney is having the 155th screening online on Thursday night. Fantastic Friday is continuing at the Fantastic Film Festival Australia at the Ritz Randwick. They're showing the trouble with being born. Yes, they are, which we discussed briefly early in the year, which screened at the Melbourne International Film Festival. I think it's it's already screened at the Ritz, actually, trouble with being born, yeah. Yes, it Yes, it has. Mm-hmm. And the Irish Film Festival Australia, which will be a little more coverage in the, in the coming weeks, will kick off online from next week. In addition to that news, um, the, there's actually been quite a few things that happened this week. We touched a moment ago on the other big film news of the week, Johnny Depp. Um, 
resigning, it must be said, he stepped away officially from the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Although, as he said in his press release, he was asked to resign. I love how direct he was about it. Usually it's like, I just, I took, I decided this is the right time for you to step I back. It's like, no, 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 responsibility. I'm, I'm, I'm stepping, he's like, I'm out. I, I never actually saw the second one in its entirety. I don't know why people care about the Fantastic Beasts franchise right now. I heard that it was very bad. I heard um, that it was what I, the parts I saw were spectacularly bad. The first one wasn't a good movie either. That's the thing. Everyone's like, the first one was good, but the second one was really bad. And I think, how bad does that mean the second one is? The thing that I think really sunk the first one for me was just how digital it looked. That was a film that was really crying out for the charm and the physicality of real sets, but the entire film felt like it was shot on a green screen. And for that old world English charm, Kind yeah. of feeling. Too, too many stories were going into it. Oh, so Colin Farrell, you're incredible, and oh, you could have yeah. done so much more with I, him. I think that reveal Sad. of Colin Farrell then turning into Johnny Depp is yeah. one of my most heartbreaking things. I'm like, oh, great actor, now turning into a mediocre actor. Well, that's the thing. I think Johnny Depp is a great actor. It's just Agreed. that he doesn't do great work anymore. He's it's been he, a long time. I'd say the last good film he did, as a terms of performance piece, would be. Are we going back up? Sweeney Todd wasn't Sweeney Todd, bad. Yeah. Sweeney, Sweeney Todd, he Sweeney was Sweeney good Todd, in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tim Burton, he needs to get back to like maybe. But and Tim Burton both probably need each Johnny other. Depp as well. I think so. Yeah, but um, well, they just both experiment a little bit more as right. Johnny Depp and Tim Burton used to do the better part of their careers. I remember people cracking jokes about how much of a disappointment it was when Colin Farrell transformed into Johnny Depp at the end of the first one, yep. and I've seen people saying, "Can we have the new one open with him turning back <laughs> <Yes>. into Colin <laughs> Farrell?" That would be great. It's the like CG, surprise, I'm yeah, here. CG Johnny well, Depp. <laughs> no, no, but but there is a way that can happen because of how. Uh, he basically transformed into Johnny Depp. The character has the ability to change appearance, so a new actor can portray and reprise the role. Well, so the franchise can still live on. There's endless amounts of Polyjuice Potion. That's all you need. Um, characters did it in the Harry Potter universe for certainly um, uh, the David Tennant character, Buddy Crouch Jr. Sorry for spoilers for the fourth book. I'm sure you've read it. Um, this, is be, this is obviously Glenn Falconstein, Chris Evans, and Virat Nehru on Film Fight Club on 2SCR. Um, the other news of the week is that Memories of Murder, which Chris saw today, is also screening for the last time at Dendy Newtown tonight, 9pm, so you can catch it right after the show. Yeah, um, I would say that if you've got no plans, go and catch that. It's such a great film. Um, Bong Joon-ho was in incredible form already with his second film. Um, it's good, great to see it on big screen. The last time I saw this was on a tiny TV screen in 2007, and... Uh, it deserves I mean, the big canvas. Lots of big wide shots. Memories of Murder, images. then Ghost, and which is the third one? Like he was on a oh, the host. You mean? No. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Ghost no, was no, very Patrick Swayze. different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ghost was very different. But no, um, the, yeah, he, he has basically never stepped off his incredible run. I would argue Okcho is the only slight misstep, and that's still a good movie. I thought it's definitely for an as a Netflix film. I think it's still one of the most daring Netflix. That's films true. To it be is there on that platform for sure. Yeah. Um, another bit of film news, we've always covered what is happening in and around town and streaming and screening. Um, we've talked about uh, the pitfalls potentially of having a film festival online, notably Kofia, the Korean Festival Australia, which is running, has stopped their online presence, been postponed till later on. And there was an issue with their platform. Obviously, there was, as they noted on Facebook, that there was no compromises of um, anyone's personal accounts. But um, as the state is that... The festival can continue, which is very frustrating, very sad. Certainly, this is something that could happen and has happened uh, to this festival. But obviously, festivals are going ahead and screening online, as we know, to the Irish Film Festival, the inaugural Sydney Science, Sydney Science Fiction Film Festival is happening as of next week. We'll be having Simon, who the festival founder, on next week's show. 
And yeah, but um, with the exception of Copia, it seems that all the festivals have continued to please and go off and have a lot of great presence and traction online. I'm very anxious, a lot of sleepless nights to put together the Sydney Science Fiction Film Festival. So hopefully that goes without a hitch and then I can sleep again. Yes, Farad is, is involved actually. Yes, I'm not sure if we've officially said that on the show before. I- I'm not sure either, but yep, it's exciting something to be involved in and I'm looking forward to seeing that. I know that's actually happening in person, though. Yes, so it's an interesting choice. We'll discuss more about that next week with Simon. Sure. See yes. what the reasons behind that were. With regard to the... And just to note on Copia, obviously, that Copia has been running strong for 11, 12 years and and until this little glitch um, was do- also doing very well online. That's right. Um, I'm surprised that this sort of thing hasn't happened earlier, to be honest. Because Me too. Yeah, online security is so difficult anyway, and some real damage can be done just by breaking into these film festivals. I would not. I would be surprised if this does not happen to one of the major film festivals if they have to stream online again. It's happened. So I know uh, the disciple that screened at Venice and TIFF, and then the New York Indian Film Festival got leaked. So uh, that was one of the films that's one of the bigger Venice. It won at Venice as the best screenplay. Uh, so that definitely got leaked. So Because of the New York Indian Film Festival? I think so, yes. So yeah. uh, I think that's already happened. That's one of the bigger ones. Bigger it's a scary casualties. world for film distribution going forward in a lot of ways. It, you, to be clear, we're not speaking exactly what has happened in any particular circumstance, including Copia. We're just noting that um, they made a statement to the effect of that uh, they could not continue to proceed with the online platform um, in this current festival run. Um, now, furthermore, speaking of COVID-related news, we covered a couple of weeks ago the first, we'd argue, big post-COVID film, the film directly referencing um, the pandemic and its fallout, Borat 2, subsequent movie film. Um, the new Michael Bay film, Michael Bay's producer Songbird, has just released a trailer with KJ Arpa and quite a few stars. It's significant that this was clearly filmed amidst covid um, restrictions and and a lot of actors and characters in isolated environments, clearly away from each other. They were trained specially to um, operate different equipment and work within these restrictions. Um, I, I would be surprised if many of the actors from the trailer actually interacted directly with each other. It seems very apparent. And that the trailer's out, it's going to be very interesting to see. Certainly a lot of films now, including Children of the Corn, which is some New South Wales, and apparently is out um, in a few theatres in the US, though hasn't been released elsewhere. Yeah, apparently you can see it. has been shot with these sorts of restrictions. I haven't seen wow. episodes of Neighbours, but Neighbours has been done the same sort of thing. So we'll see Songbird and we'll report on that once we get an opportunity to see it. But yeah, there's a few theatres in the US that apparently have got an opportunity, and it wasn't advertised. They just People just went in and saw, what's this, Children of the Corn? Sure, I'll go see it. Weird. I think, think yeah. probably test audience, live test audiences. I mean, imagine if uh, one critic had walked by and, oh, excuse me a few minutes, I'm just going to get the scoop on this one. It's kind of low stakes, you know, just putting a film out in American theatres right now, even, especially if you do a limited release when barely anyone's going and barely any theatres are open. I but, mean, Tenet is out in Victoria IMAX, IMAX Melbourne. Finally. So, yeah, finally. Uh, so, hopefully. I'd, and I know it didn't do well in the US, but in Australia it did pretty well. It did pretty well most places. Yeah. It's just yeah. that um, pretty well wasn't good enough, especially when the US brings in basically nothing. Yeah, that's yeah. such a major market for blockbusters. So you're listening to Film Fight with Glenn Falconson, Chris Evans, and Bradley Ron to SCR. We, oh, so that is the other big news of this week. I have one more thing to say about Songbird. Sure. Which is why. 
Um, I've seen, it's not my original take, <laughs> but I've seen some people make the very astute point that right now I don't think people actually want to see uh, content, entertainment about the pandemic. Material. Great. Material. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. About especially cheaply, shuddily thrown together, very evidently cash grab material as We're this still seems to be. We're still in it. And we may yeah. be for a long time. People aren't ready for it in the same way that the Brendan Gleeson series about Trump, why wasn't that released two months ago? No one's going to care now. Yeah. I, I don't see a market for it. It's true. But um, I think people are really trying to get away There's um, from pandemic-related stuff. There's a point when the, there'll be a cathartic impact to this kind of material. But I think... People will want something that's been very considered and very thoughtfully and deliberately made and not what this seems to be. And remember, a film like The Post, which we noted a couple of years ago, was probably the first real post-Trump film. I, it wasn't, obviously, it's set in the 1970s, but it is more than implicitly directs Trump. It was released a couple of years after his election. Yeah. Spielberg timed it right. It took Yeah, it took some time. It was about defending the media at a time yeah. when they were constantly being, I would say, slandered. Not to say that there's there's no room for legitimate criticism of the media. It is in many ways corrupt, but not not how no. Trump puts it. No, no. I, I think look clearly the best critique of the media came from the James Bond film, right? Oh yeah, uh, with Rupert Murdoch. Yes, oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> Tomorrow <laughs> never dies. Yeah. Yes, Elliot Carver. <laughs> I love that scene. Seventeen British sailors killed. No, no, it's not evil. Look. Seventeen British sailors murdered. Yeah. Oh, very. <laughs> I adore that. It's probably the James Bond film. It's not my favorite. It's the one I've seen the most of. I would it's, say it's the best Pierce Brosnan film. No, GoldenEye's better, man. The thing oh. is that, um, no, Tomorrow Never Dries is the best more Pierce pulp, Brosnan yeah. film. GoldenEye is the best, the best Timothy Dalton, Timothy Dalton <laughs> James Bond. Yes. yes, it would have been great <laughs> if Dalton. I, I loved Brosnan. It would yeah. have been great if Dalton had been in it. Yeah, but um, Tomorrow Never Dies has the Pierce Brosnan flavor where it's a little bit more quippy, a little bit more Roger Moore-ish, but he's not quite the clown. Yeah, without Literally it being died on the day level. As he as Roger Moore became an octopusy and that uh, yeah. Pierce Brosnan had stepped up to being by Die Another Day. As but it, it, got, it got the Brosnan balance right. However, I would argue that Brosnan, by the, and it was only in those two years between Golden and Tomorrow Never Dies, aged just enough that he lost some of the edginess that he had in, his, in GoldenEye, and that made the role so great. And I think yeah. still his best film. Yeah. And I, irrespective, I think it's the best scripted one. It's probably my favorite Bond it's film. It's so much fun. The stunts are really good. Yeah. And the, 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 car, we, the car. The car is hilarious. The car's great. Tomorrow Never Dies. Oh, yeah. with, with the remote control, um, smashing into the Avis. Yeah, uh, yeah Absolute yeah. gold. And, and Michelle Yeoh, I mean... We should talk about that, given that... Oh, she's yeah, great. Star Trek Discovery. She, she's fantastic. And I'm just watching the movies She's got today. probably the most amount of, like, action sequences for a Bond girl for, you know, so... Yeah, because she's capable. Because she comes from Hong Kong cinema and, and knows... And, uh, which um, is why I was also glad that they gave her the opportunity yeah, to actually display her skills yeah, properly. Yeah, her and I think the lead actress in You Only Live Twice, who unfortunately had a run around in the bikini in the crater, which was absurd, but um, Michelle Yeoh was great in Tomorrow Never Dies. Last thought from me on Tomorrow Never Dies. Bond is so off-puttingly psychopathic when he throws the guy into the <laughs> newspaper. Oh, a few, there's a few things, but yeah. I was thinking like, of the newspaper. They'll print. read it. It's amazing. They'll, they'll print anything these days or whatever. It's just like... Yeah. Oh, I love, oh the, I love to see where the character actor is. Like, I'm just <laughs> doing my job. Me too. Yeah, they, yeah, they show that, was, that this guy is that a was blank... Good. 
um, assassin. Yeah, that was a, that, that was good. And you know what? The relationship with Paris Carver, it felt more real than almost any other romance in the entirety of the series. Um, the other one on par with that would be on Magic Secret Service with Diana Rigg. Anyway, uh, we, we kind of got off tr- track a little. Um, just while we're on the post, actually, um, I recorded last night Blake Howard following he- one he- as part of One Heat Minute Productions following the conclusion of One Heat Minute with Michael Mann is doing all the president's minutes, which is every minute talking about of all the president's men and talk, using it to talk about the filmography of Alan Pacula, Robert Redford, Dustin Hoffman, but also what is going on in uh, the world of politics. I recorded the film last night. It was right off, right, right after we learnt about uh, Donald Trump being defeated and Biden are you, winning. How many episodes? Are you, so you're the, the guest. How many episodes in? I'm on at minute 119. So it's that great scene where it's like, we need more sources. 20 minutes to print. We have to go, go, go. And it's I, I watched the film over the years. I've read the book. It was nice to revisit it yesterday and talk about my favorite film, Sneakers, tangentially, because Robert Redford is also the star of all the President's Men. So um, that might be up by the time this goes to air. I think it probably will. Otherwise, it'll be up in the coming days. But Nice. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Um, so this is uh, yeah, we're listening to film Fight Club on 2SCR and we thought we'd talk about the British Film Festival because it is screening at Pell Cinemas as of yesterday the film that was part of the preview was Summerlands um, from filmmaker Jessica Swale um, she had a sketch not a sketch she had a, um, a short for the BBC um, leading lady parts starring um, a number of prominent actresses which went viral a few years ago. Um, absolutely fantastic. And this is what, and this is starring Gemma Arterton and Gugu Bathurst. It is set during the Second World War on the English coast, where a reclusive writer, played by Arterton, is caused um, to bring into a home one of the child evacuees from London during the Blitz. I know this sounds like Bedknobs and Broomsticks, a great film that I loved from my childhood and still love. It's not that. <laughs> it is a drama. There are romantic elements to it. Um, Can't we have animated dragons and stuff? There were no animated. There were no animated dragons in. I'm thinking of Pete's Dragon, the original. No, they were crossing ad- it with Bedknobs and Broomsticks. You're thinking of the Boom Boo, where there was the Lion King, and uh, a lot of <laughs> other. Uh, just, just Trakuna, McCoy, just Quorum Status. Anyway, let's talk about this film. Um, this has a few very predictable elements to it, but it's smart enough that the predictable elements know that they are that and are used to mask much more interesting twists, uh, which I respect as integrity in the storytelling, which not a lot of films have. The film is charming enough. At the center of the film and the title, there is a metaphor. I didn't mind the metaphor. Fortunately, this narrative device is um, incredibly overwrought. And as it was, um, it's a little tired, certainly in this case. Um, The actors are very good. I have, however, an unusual criticism of this film. This is a romance which is played out in the cinematic language of 90s and earlier films where, and, and importantly, a queer romance, and where this is a, from a, and of the time when um, filmmakers were very guarded given what, how they perceived audiences and, general, and general, how people generally received towards these films and how they depicted these sorts of romances. I'm talking about specifically not depicting um, um, physical interactions, physical intimacy explicitly. I know a lot of films, either filmmakers irrespective of different cultural trends, choose to either depict physical intimacy, however, to whatever degree, explicitly, implicitly, for the purposes of their story, whether it's to make it accessible to different audiences, different ages, or just because they view emotional intimacy as more consequential than physical intimacy. I think if you're going to... This film made the decision 
to um, depict physical intimacy implicitly and in a manner that evokes those earlier stories. I think if you're going to do that, either you have to do it in, implicitly in a manner that is palpable or focus on the emotional elements thereof. And if you're going to depict a physical intimacy explicitly, implicitly, it has to, um, it, it, it can be easier to convey that through, through showing it or otherwise a lot of filmmakers can pull off showing it implicitly but still have it being emphatic. I don't think this filmmaker did. And I think that's the film's detraction. Otherwise, I thought it was a good film. I just think this was a major part that was um, aboundingly distracting. Do you think it, this narrative just needed the physical intimacy? No, absolutely not. But I think that I think the the core part of it that was engaging to me was the emotional part of it. The physical elements were an element, just an element thereof. However, if, you, if you're going to draw such attention to it and the consequence of physical intimacy, either you have to show it or you have to render the implicit parts as palpable as engaging and it was just those moments of we're going to cut away here and show instead of showing something show someone looking there was too many shots of someone looking forlornly out over the cliff and we've seen that cinematic language before it's tired and it doesn't not only is it tired now it doesn't need to be used now and i found that uh the film's uh, disappointing to some degree mm. okay yeah so that is summerland to do screening at the british film festival as is ammonite Yes, Ammonite, the other queer romance uh, featuring loners. Uh, it seems to be quite a trend now. It's, it seems to be like uh, queer romances now just feature writers or loners in general who Me need some kind of company. What, the metaphor for being isolated and shut off in your own thoughts. But I can find release. Almost, almost literally in this case, it seems to be, you know. And so Ammonite is following uh, the character of Mary... I can't pronounce the last name, but she's a paleontologist. If I, if that's a tongue twister or two. Paleontologist, like Ross. There you go. Yes, yes paleontologist like Ross. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, definitely a better character than Ross was in Friends. Yeah, Friends was very overrated. So let's talk about this movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, basically a loner uh, whose life changes dramatically when Shosha Ronan's character enters her life. Uh, it's directed and screenplay is written by Francis Lee. The main Wait, God's Own Country. Yes. Uh, the problem with this film is that it is so just godforsakenly bland it's so british it's i mean i mean if, if there is a thing if there's a criticism for a film being too british i think this is it right. because there is a stoic sensibility to the film and the shots i mean this is exactly the kind of film that would be screening at British Film Festival. It's funny. I, I had seen this film hyped up a bit, and earlier today, before catching one of the last screenings of Memories of Murder, I saw the trailer for this, and I, you know, with my girlfriend who I saw it with, I, I said, hold on, is it just me, or does this look bad? It looks really, it does look I bland. I have heard that, yeah. It looks like art house cliches stacked on top of each other. Uh it also looks very similar to Portrait of a Lady on Fire in some ways. They're, they're, oh, they're definitely aping that, especially with the 1840s aesthetic, you know. And the, uh, all the beach, the Jane Campion piano-esque yes. beach scenes and people running around in dresses and, you know. But the problem imagery. is uh, there is none of that Skiyama's particular eye and vision for how the framing needs to be done. The framing is flat. Mm. The actors have no chemistry with each other. Uh, I couldn't buy into the romance uh, Kate Winslet has done a better loner performance, something like The Reader with a lot more significance and weightage. Here she's just going through the motions. Uh, and also, 
this film was just not needed. <laughs> like honestly, uh, it just was riding high on all the previous queer romances that seemed to be happening. It just seemed to be like, okay, fine, we can do one because this is now yeah. the kind of you know success in the hour. Art house niche. It's, yeah, it strikes me just listening to your criticism um, that there is different but still similar uh, issues with Summerland in that they're trying to evoke 1940s cinema, 1940s sweeping romances, but it's either bland or reserved. And I keep bringing back to a great masterpiece of British cinema, Brief Encounter by David Lean from 46, where you see two characters who can't interact that much, both because of the filmmaking of the time, what was uh, restricted and acceptable to audiences generally, but also the nature of the romance. But it, it was beautiful because the, and it uh, worked. Yeah, the characters are built around that. But it, the portrait comparison is interesting because in portrait there was a specific reason why the characters could not realize their romance, and that was built up in a tension, dramatic tension. Where is Here, there is no reason for that. Right. Like, it literally is just, oh, because we can't. As no. just a little side note complaint, it seems like everything in the art house is so reserved these days. And I get it. The world is loud. The media landscape is loud. Art house filmmakers feel like they have to offer on an alternative. Um, but wouldn't it be great to see some kind of alternative cinema that's pushing the boundaries of how film can be loud and fast? You know, it doesn't have, like loud and fast doesn't have to be just reality TV there's ways we can experiment with the form with that, but it seems like no one's interested in financing um, that. Adam Driver did it, at, at, and Balmark too did it at the final scene of Marriage Story. That's true. Great yeah. effect, but it's it's few and far between. Yeah, I would say um, detention and um, uh, what was it called? Bodied. Yes. Would, maybe would be another example no, of someone I mean, pushing the I mean, speed instead. The, the cynic in me would probably say that this is the worst kind of cash grab opportunity. It's ticking all the boxes of yeah. what's in right now. Queer romances seem to be doing well. You know, this is the aesthetic and the need of the hour, allyship. So mm. it needs to be, you know, we have dime a dozen of these stories now coming through. We have. I'm glad know, these stories are being told. Yeah, I, I am. But at the same time, you get two A-list actors which have huge fan following. They are, have got nothing to do. There's no actual substance that you're trying to explore except the fact that you have got these A-list actors and you can do it. Mm. You know, there's no other reason for it. So in our final few minutes, and that's that's all it deserves, we want to talk about the filmography of Donald Trump because the last time we get to talk about this actor because it is he's just had his final role. He's oh no, his I, I would say his his final role of the the guy who the president was stolen from um, <laughs> the presidency is continuing, and probably he'll be continuing to play that role with middling success for quite some time. Yeah, we want to stress that we're recording this on Monday night. We don't know what's going to happen by Wednesday, and certainly in the coming weeks and months prior to January twentieth. Yeah, I under my first introduction to Donald Trump, it actually was um, The Little Rascals. I haven't seen that movie in a very long time, so I can't remember that Donald Trump was in it. He had that um, scene where he's like, he caught the son, calls him the rich son. He's like, you're the best son money can guy. And then the, actually the kid had the better line reading of, thanks, dad. <laughs> this, and then um, I'm actually not the biggest Zoolander fan, but he did have a cameo in that. I like Zoolander's Zoolander. Hilarious. I think, Zoolander's hilarious. I just don't get the quite the cult following it has. I think it's because it's one of the most successful, really dumb movies since maybe the first Dumb and Dumber. Like how many movies that are going for that really stupid vibe have actually been funny since? You could argue something like Teledega Nights. Anchorman. Anchorman, yeah. But to me, Anchorman did it very well. But to me, I can watch Zoolander all the way through. Whereas I guess because he's such a sleazy character, I, I start to get 
a little bit irked by Anchorman by the end of it every time. It's yeah. a fun movie. Don't the, get me wrong. The, the flute solo was great. Oh, yeah. um, there's a few lines that because Zoolander seems so much more harmless. The dumb stuff you yeah. can enjoy a lot more. I, I used to think Anchorman's pretty overrated. The second one was terrible. Oh yeah, the second one was was bad. It was only made actually so that Adam McKay could get funding for the big shot, which was great. To his, to his, to his enormous credit. Um, obviously, Home Alone two. There was the cameo in the in the Astoria that was actually quite funny. Yeah, I mean that that Kevin has no idea who this guy is. But see, yeah. Kevin is so astute and wise about so many things, but he doesn't know Donald Trump. I don't yeah. buy that. Ah, uh, they feel about a psych. These films about a psychopath who traps men in his home and tortures them. Yeah, never talked about Home Alone. It's oh man, have you guys ever seen the video online with Home Alone with Blood? No, no like someone edited some of the oh, the horrifically painful uh, traps or whatever you want to call them in <laughs> Home Alone and put in realistic injuries. It's horrifying, and I feel bad, but I laugh when I watch it because it's it's. I mean, the the premise it's, itself is quite that. Like you know, they're still there to hurt the kid, so just well, they're there to rob the house. Well, you know what, and really annoys me in Home Alone every time. Um, the, at the end, it's like, oh, they caught him. We're going to hit Kevin with a shovel. Oh, no, that will kill him. But the, the bad guys can take all manner of yeah, punishment you, and it's fine. Kids, don't throw bricks at people. It's bad. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that's uh, well, there's more about Donald Trump's filmography. I never saw Two Weeks Notice. Money Never Sleeps was bad. I saw Two Weeks Notice. It was bad. Okay. Um, he was on an episode of Nanny, I remember. Yeah. Uh, Money Never Spin Sleeps City. is actually a good film. We should fight about that. I'm happy to episode. fight about Oliver Stone's worst film in another You know, week. an Oliver Stone rundown could be really good. Gladly. Oh, my God. I can't wait for the Trump movie he makes. It's probably going to be terrible, too. He has a new memoir out at, in bookshops at the moment. So this has been Glenn Fangs and Chris Emmons on Right Nero on Film Fight Club. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for Sonic Assassin, the British Film Festivals and Cinemas Now, Memories of Murders at Dendy Newtown at 9 o'clock Great tonight. movie. Go see it. And yeah, on the rock screen, Apple TV, have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. Good night. Good night. Did we actually?